cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Jason Wild, chairman of Terrison. Jason, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Good, good. I love it. So let's stay with Terrison. Can you kind of take us like an overview about the, the company and kind of value it brings to the space? Sure. So the company, I originally uh, invested in the company back in the end of 2017. They were actually a Canadian LP. We led a $52 million uh, investment, private placement into the company. Canopy Growth co-invested in that deal uh, with me. Uh, and I became the, uh, the chairman. This was back at the end of 17. Uh, at that point, uh, on the fund side, we were only comfortable investing in, uh, in Canada. Our first acquisition was the Apothecarium dispensary chain in San Francisco. That's when essentially Terrasen entered, uh, entered into the US. Uh, a few months later, we acquired one of the largest uh, operators, uh, cultivators, and manufacturers, and you know, retailer uh, in uh, Pennsylvania called Ilera Healthcare. Also around the same time or a little earlier, we had applied, Terrasen had applied for a license in New Jersey in the summer of 18. Uh, and we actually uh, came in number one or number two by score out of 150 applicants. So we got a license for the northern uh, region of New Jersey, which is, you know, believed by many to be the best region of Jersey because it has the most people and the, and the biggest part of the economy. You know, our approach, which has been different than I think uh, most of the other uh, multi-state operators, is that we decided, you know, three years ago or so that we didn't want to just uh, have lots of flags on the map and be able to say that we're in, you know, 25 states or, or 20 states. Uh, our belief was always that the the best way to build the best business uh, is to be uh, focused and only really uh, enter a state if we think that we can be one of the top, uh, you know, two or three players in that state over, you know, some short uh, time period. I want to yeah. stay on Jersey. I saw you say that when there was a pause between the announcement that Terrasun won the license, I want to know what that feeling was like in that pause and then what you felt emotionally <laughs> after they announced Harrison, yeah. and then expanding on that, what's the the next step? Take us inside that room. Is it how do we deploy New Jersey and get everything ready to go, or are you focused on Maryland, Michigan, and other states for expansion opportunities? On that call, it was interesting. They had already gone through like the other six uh, operators that they approved, and the process was, I believe, that the chairman would uh, state the name of the operator and say, "I have a motion to approve." And then somebody would come on. It must have already been chosen who was, you know, which other commissioner would say uh, motion to approve. And then they would vote. And then they got Terrasen. And we felt really good about, uh, you know, getting approved, even if it was a smaller number than SEP, you know, ended up uh, getting there. And they said uh, the Terrasen and uh, the chairwoman said, uh, do I have a motion uh, to approve? And nobody like said anything. And it felt to me like, you know, it must have been like, you know, 10 seconds. It felt to me like everything froze. I went through all these emotions. Uh, I was like, you know, did my line just die? You know, like I wanted somebody to jump in and say something, but then it meant, you know, at some point if they said something, then it meant that it wasn't just my phone that died, which I was almost hoping uh, was what happened. 
And then uh, the chairwoman repeated it again and somebody came on and said, uh, you know, I make a motion to approve. It's got to be just overwhelming joy knowing, you know, the the types of investments that went into it, the emotional investment. Staying on yeah. that, after after it's approved, are you looking for other opportunities? Like take us through yeah. the strategy for sure. you and the role you play there. So New Jersey, I mean, what I was so excited about is that we have been spending, you know, we spent, uh, you know, about $40 million of the last, uh, over the last three years or so building out our facility. Uh, we didn't know originally that it was going to go, uh, that REC was going to be on the ballot. That was obviously a huge positive for us uh, when we, uh, when that happened a, a year and a half or so ago. Uh, and we had been ready and we thought the program was going to launch, you know, in the second half of last year. So every time it got delayed, even though we, you know, knew sort of intellectually, we knew that the, it was going to come at some point. It's like it almost felt like it was, it was, you know, never going to come. Or I wasn't going to believe it until it actually happened. So having, you know, having that vote uh, was just a, a huge relief. And it ended up being, it was, it was a little bit, you know, I guess better than expected because we were going to be able to launch within like, uh, uh, like after that vote, we launched, I think like uh, eight days later or something like that. When the industry becomes global, do you see overseas being a challenge, let's say, for, for mass production and cultivation? No, I don't think so. I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. And I don't think that, you know, like high quality flour, there's no, um, there's no reason to grow that or there's no cost advantage. Let, let's just talk about US. You know, people ask about, you know, interstate commerce and all that, right? And that a lot of this stuff's going to come from California. You know, that's because California has, you know, sort of perfect weather conditions and, and all of that. But there's no advantage to growing super premium indoor flour in a warehouse in California and shipping it, say, to the East Coast. So I, you know, our view uh, for, you know, and for a lot of other reasons that we think, you know, high quality premium flour uh, is the way to go. Uh, but our view on interstate commerce is that that would be the least uh, impacted by, uh, you know, interstate or, you know, sort of global commerce in, 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 the, uh, in the cannabis space. With your pharmaceutical experience, what can cannabis operators learn from, let's say, the technology for real-time process control to, let's say, ensure a clean product to avoid recalls and other, other concepts like that in the future? I think that overall, people from pharma, there's more of a focus on quality and safety. You know, like if somebody comes in from real estate or, or something like that, I find that often those companies have less of a culture of, uh, of compliance and of quality. When you started your journey in the cannabis space, what did you get right? But most importantly, what did you get wrong? What did I get right? I got right that, you know, that there's huge demand for this product, that more and more people were going to be uh, consuming it uh, over time. Uh, and, you know, therefore, this industry, uh, you know, had the wind at its back from a growth perspective, especially relative to regular pharmaceuticals. What I guess I got wrong was, I mean, we, we did really well in the, you know, for the first four years, we only did Canada. And my view was that that was going to be the only place that would be able to attract institutional investors. And therefore, you know, the stocks would, uh, would do better than the US ones. And that worked really well over that period of time, say from like 14 to uh, to eighteen, I guess I maybe in Canada we outstayed our welcome uh, a little bit too long. Like once I once I realized that the Canadian market and the structure of the Canadian market was you know not conducive to being able to you know have a strongly profitable company, I probably stayed a little bit too long. But you know that was probably a, a mistake that we made. Let's do a quick rapid fire product yeah. category. You're most bullish on over the next five years. Flower. 
psychedelics as a medicine, yay or nay? Yeah. Under the radar state you have your eye on. I can't, I can't uh, if I if I talk about it, then it might not be under the radar anymore. But figure, you know, there's a basket of them. Figure uh, all, you know, the states sort of uh, east from Michigan going east towards New York and then up and down the uh, the east coast. There's a bunch of good opportunities there. That's fair. What mega policy causes more disruption in the cannabis industry, federal legalization or interstate commerce? Ooh, federal legalization. That one's tough. The biggest misconception since you've been in the cannabinoid industry? Just overall that like, uh, you know, I think this is all changing, but that like people that are cannabis consumers, that they're, you know, lazy and unmotivated. You know, the people that I know that are in the cannabis industry and uh, especially the ones that also consume cannabis, I find them to be, uh, you know, some of the hardest working, you know, most, uh, you know, some of the most principled uh, people uh, that, that I've ever met and, and extremely, uh, you know, uh, creative uh, as well. So Jason, for our listeners, they want to learn more and they want to try some of Terrasense products. Where can they find them? Northern California. We have uh, three, three dispensaries in San Fran, uh, one in Berkeley and one in Capitola. Uh, in PA, we have uh, six uh, scattered around uh, Pennsylvania. And in New Jersey, we have one dispensary in Phillipsburg, which is on the western edge of PA. And actually, we're actually like like less than 100 yards from the bridge that goes over to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Nice. So amazing location for a wreck or for anybody in you know, PA that would want to come over. And uh, our other location is in uh, Maplewood. And we're going to be opening our third location in Jersey is we share the parking lot with the Bada Bing from the Sopranos. And then in Michigan, we have 17, uh, we have 17 dispensaries pretty much covering you know, uh, practically the whole state. Thanks so much, Jason. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.